Well, thank you so much for um, having me here. Uh, it's truly an honor to be with you. It is afternoon. Uh, we started early this morning. You preach three times every Sunday. Lord bless you. <laughs> Lord bless you. But why you got to put me through the pain? Okay, but, uh, but anyway, thank you so much for uh, inviting me, Pastor Aaron. Thank you so much for the invitation. I know that I've I always say this pulpit is uh, really important to our pastors, and uh, thank you for allowing me to speak this morning. It's really a privilege and honor to be here. It's especially a privilege for me because we have a couple of students that attend uh, the University of Valley Forge from this church, and uh, and uh, they're amazing students. I'm not going to call them out. Um, maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but, uh, but they're just uh, a really... Uh, what do you call great representation of Christ and, and learning to follow Jesus. I don't know what you're doing here, Pastor Chris, but, uh, but keep doing what you're doing. Uh, they used to tell me like, hey, you know, I don't like it when uh, people kind of assess and judge churches and organization by like one person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, we used to hear that all the time. Well, I met a student from Valley Forge, and da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, wait, this one, okay, but, all right, but you don't like it, when you, right, but, but I'm telling you that you're, you're producing some wonderful, uh, amazing people, and, and I applaud you for that. Thank you. Um, it's great to be here. Um, I do want to share a little bit about myself, not because I like doing it, but to really um, get all of your questions in your mind out of the way. Okay, like, for example, what are you? <laughs> okay, what are you? Because I usually get this question after a service, and, um, and so I'd like to share, and I think it's uh, in some ways um, related to the text that we're about to share. But um, actually, my, my heritage and my parents are from Korea, and uh, I actually uh, grew up as a missionary's kid. So I didn't grow up in Korea. I grew up in Ghana, West Africa. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, all of my memories as a childhood, in, uh, in, in my childhood, is from Ghana, West Africa. And obviously, being in Ghana, we get to visit other countries in West Africa. But uh, it's a fascinating um, journey for me. I, grew, I did grow up with pet monkeys and, and, uh, and pet pig. It's like, and monkey riding a pig. Uh, I'm totally not kidding. This is actually... I'm not exaggerating. It's not hyperbole. It's happened in my life, <laughs> okay? And uh, eventually, um, my parents decided to immigrate to the, to the U.S., and uh, we, I was 13 at the time, so I was going into middle school, and um, of all the places they could have gone, they decided to land in northern New Jersey, and anybody from Jersey? Uh, we had someone from Jersey this, okay, this morning. They were very excited. Okay, but um, northern Jersey with, um, uh, it wasn't just the fact that we landed in Jersey. It was an all-Italian town, okay, at the time. And I'm not talking like your second generation, third generation. How many Italians here? Anybody? Okay, I see some. Let me just tell you, they were not second, third generation Italians. Like, they just came from Italy. <laughs> Italians, right? And so, um, you can imagine, right, uh, an Asian kid who grew up in Ghana, West Africa, with an African-English accent, okay, living amongst Italians in northern New Jersey. Uh, it, I mean, I could, I could tell you stories, man. Gosh, I... 
uh, it was very, very interesting and a lot of fun, right? Eventually, the Lord called my, uh, my dad um, to plant the church after doing a little bit more work in Dominican Republic um, to plant the church. But of all the places that God could have called him, God called him to Washington State, the Pacific Northwest, right? Not D.C. Initially, I thought we were going to D.C. I, even when we got into the truck, I thought we were going to D.C. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. And then we're like, oh, this is not the way to D.C. <laughs> and now we're like, oh, there's a state in Washington. Uh, you know, I grew up in Africa, okay? <laughs> right? Okay, uh, so we eventually went to Washington State. I went to high school there. Uh, my dad was really great at church planting, uh, and so after four years, the church got established, and the Lord called him uh, to another church plant, and uh, of all the places, again, uh, God called him back to the East Coast to Connecticut to plant the church, and I'm like, there are lost people in between the East and West Coast, okay? Like, why is it got to be always coast? I, I told my dad, is continent to continent not enough for you, okay, where we have to go East to west, right? Uh, when we came back to the East Coast, that's when I was looking up for a college because I was about to enter college, and uh, they were Assemblies of God ministers. So uh, naturally, I looked up an Assemblies of God affiliated school, and uh, Valley Forge uh, was where I ended up. And so I actually graduated from the University of Valley Forge. It was at that time called Valley Forge Christian College. I graduated in 1990. Okay, um, you don't have to know my age, but I do look young to be president, right? Come on, let's be real. Is that right? I mean, those of you who do think that I look too young to be college president, there's extra blessing flowing from heaven to you right now. Those of you who thought I was your, looked the appropriate age, I'm going to pray for repentance for you. Okay, but, uh, but I thought I always looked young until I met Pastor Aaron. Okay, when I met Pastor Aaron, I'm like... Okay, you look like you're 22. All right, I'm like, okay, I'm not. I can't. I can't do that anymore. I don't. Next to you, all right. I mean, you look like 10 times younger than me. But, but uh, anyway, um, from Valley Forge, um, uh, you know, I landed an internship and and I was uh, pastoring in New York City. I thought I was just signing up for a local church. It was a pretty massive church and uh, it was a mega church. And I thought I would just be there a long time and. And that mega church actually grew a global wing of uh, concentrating on children's work all around the world. And so uh, they grew a, an organization called International Schools Foundation. So I got to be a part of that, of, um, of building schools in Latin America. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in Honduras, um, Ecuador, a lot of time in Nicaragua. Actually, I'm going back there next week. I'm so excited, okay? But, uh, but I loved it so much. I decided to move my family to Ecuador. And uh, over there, um, doing business as mission, exporting cacao and coffee and things like that. Um, and uh, how many of you love chocolate? Okay. Um, I just don't want to boast, but I'm only a, there's only a few of us who can... Uh, process that thing to the highest level of dark chocolate okay and so i'm one of them if you want to know good chocolate just let me know if you have a wife who loves dark chocolate i'll tell you some sites that only you know connoisseurs would know just telling you that some, i see some people going uh-huh okay sign me up okay i'll get it for you but did that but um you know, I, I was uh, in a car accident in 2013. So we moved to Ecuador in 2011. 
It was a major car accident, uh, crushed the right side of my face, and uh, I had to have, like, multiple reconstructive surgery to put my face back together. And I didn't get to share it this morning, but I, I heard that in this service I have an hour to speak. Is that right? Instead of 30 minutes, the first two, because we have to get, there's no service after this. I can just keep going, right? <laughs> just, don't worry. I'm kidding. All the, all the children are going, no. <laughs> no. They're like, no, no. Actually, one of them are like, no. <laughs> don't worry. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> all right? Okay, but anyway. Um, so anyway, so my, uh, my right eye is actually not my real eye. It's, uh, I actually have an acrylic eye over my eye. And so it was a major accident. The Lord redirected our lives back to the States and we landed in South Jersey, and, and uh, shortly after, I came to Valley Forge uh, as a professor, um, uh, department chair of intercultural studies. Uh, I had no idea the, the different twists and turns that would take uh, where I became the president of Valley Forge in 2017. And so it's already been four years since I've been a president of that college. And uh, I did plan all of this exactly. Everything, all my life worked out exactly how I planned. Okay, uh, by the way, if you're graduating, those of you two coming to Valley Forge, your, wife is gonna work, uh, your life is going to work out exactly how you planned. Okay, I just lied in church. It's just, it just doesn't work out like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? It, life just takes twists and turns, and the Lord will take you through seasons in different places. I had no idea that I'd be moving from continent to continent, East Coast to West Coast, uh, you, know, you know, down to Latin America, back up here. You know, I, I have a wife of 22 years. I have four children, 20, 18, uh, 16, and then a 9-year-old boy that was a surprise to us, not to God. Amen. He was born in Ecuador. I mean, this is, I mean, the life has been pretty crazy. Okay, we've had good times, but also a lot of bad times. Uh, we had some times when I thought everything is going according to plan, and there were times where God had altered those plans. But through it all, how many of you are thankful this, uh, this afternoon that our lives are in God's hands? That God promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. That he is watching over you. That God has a plan for your life. And I thank God every day that when things didn't make sense to me, God, was, oh, God always had a plan that he was working out in my life. There's something that I want to tell you, especially those of you who are graduating, not just those of you who are graduating, but, but all of us sitting here today. And oftentimes when we journey with God, um, we have this idea of like this destiny for our lives, right? And some of you like, um, you know, who are much older, not old, older, right? And you're like, I never intended my life to be this job for 30 years, <laughs> right? And you're like, I, I'm still looking for my destiny, right? Um, I really thought that, you know, I had some ideas of my, how my life would be. But I want you to know today that, that our journey and our walk with God is not a specific end point on earth. It's not a destination. It's not a, a place a position, but rather it's a journey that God takes us through. And here's something that you need to know about this journey, that oftentimes on the, when we go on this journey, right, like we have an idea of how we want this journey to go. Okay, we have an idea of who we want to marry. We will have an idea of what, we, what job we want to have. So we have this idea. And so we're like, God, this is the plan, okay? 
here's how it's going to work out. Okay, I'm going to, you know, go to that school, marry that person, get that job, have two, three, okay, maybe four little children. Okay, we have this wonderful plan. And then we say to God, and when we come to church, we're like, God, help me get there. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, like, like, you are all powerful. You can do it. <laughs> okay, like, and we want God to help us, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I want you to know that that's not how it works, okay? Uh, God actually has a mind of his own. Imagine that. <laughs> God actually has a plan of his own. Imagine that. God has, actually has a plan for the world and the universe. God has a plan of redemption of all lost people. And he has a plan to redeem mankind. And he has a way in which strategically he's going to do it. And God is actually going to call you and my life to participate in his grace and mercy. He doesn't actually need you. Are you with me? God is all sufficient. If it's not you, God can use somebody else. He doesn't need you. But God in his mercy and his grace invites us to participate in the mission of God. How awesome is that? God invites us to the mission of God. And oftentimes when he invites us, God's going to use all kinds of things in your life, not only to change you, to shape you, but he's going to use you as a vessel on that journey that God has. And how many of you, like sometimes you like looking at your life, God, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Like what are you, when, when I was, man, I thought we were going to spend the rest of our lives in Ecuador. And uh, here I'm at on I don't know what day is today, but uh, 2021, in the middle of a pandemic, in Wrightsville Assemblies of God, who would have thought, right? You just don't know what path God will lead you. But the reality is sometimes we think we know what's, what's best. And sometimes we even think that we know what will make us happy. Sometimes we think that if we could just get that thing, if we could just get that person, if we could just get that job, or if we could just that change circumstance, then all of a sudden we would be happy. But how many of you know that it's not always like that? How many of you are th thankful this morning, uh, this afternoon, that, you know, when you were four and you wanted a cotton candy machine in your room, you know what I mean? That's not the best thing, right? But in the moment, when you're four years old, like, that is the best thing for you. I mean, you figured it out. Like, God, get with it. Okay, like, we need that cotton candy machine at my room. How many of you know in 16, your desires and wants change, right? And you're like, in your mind, you believe this is good for me. You believe that's good for me. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And you're 22, and you're like, I need to marry that person, right? And how many of you are thankful that some of you are like, thank God I didn't marry that person? Okay, but some of you are like, President Kim, I'm married to the person, <laughs> okay, like, like, yeah, that person I shouldn't have, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> all right, okay, but how many of you know that sometimes, like, when you're maturing, you think you know, right, and then six months later, oh, thank God, that didn't happen, or, and then you just realize, goodness, right, what my values and thoughts were, it changes and evolves with more information, well, guess what, God sees all things. God knows all things. Thank God his ways are higher than our ways. That even sometimes when God leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, he has a purpose for it. He has a reason for it. So therefore, no matter what we're experiencing, what we're going through, God is working it out. 
And he is. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Okay. And here's the crazy thing. In his grace and mercy, he invites us to his mission. And so let's talk about his mission for a moment. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, okay, verse 18 through verse 20. As you're turning there, um, how many of you have seen, like, churches and organizations, they have great vision statements, mission statements. And some of you, like, who are going to college, right, uh, you're, you're, like, trying to discover your purpose, right? Even, even if you saw our video, right, UVF video, it says discover your purpose purpose for his glory, right? I'm sorry to say, but it's already been discovered, <laughs> okay? Um, your purpose has already been discovered. You don't have to look for it, okay? Here it is. Are you ready? It says, it says in uh, verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, how many of you know this scripture, right? It's called the Great Commission. And um, many times, I mean, I'm sure you've had missionaries come in and say, the Great Commission is go, right? Um, it's not wrong. Absolutely, you can say that. Uh, but that's only part of the command, Right? What about baptizing? Let's say you're baptizing a 1,000 people in this church every year. You could actually go to Jesus after baptizing 1,000 people a year, 10 years in a row. And if you were to go back to, you know, go to be with Jesus, Jesus is like, that wasn't the command. <laughs> you can dunk a lot of people, but that wasn't the command. What about those churches that teach? I mean, some churches really teach well. You know what I mean? But it's like, that's not the entirety of the command. What is the entirety of the command? The entirety of the command, or the main command, is make disciples. Make disciples. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Jesus, right? It's a follower, redeemed by Jesus, following Jesus. That's a disciple. How do you make one? That's your pastor's job to teach you that, okay? That's not my job. That's your pastor's to teach you how to make disciples. But what about the word like go, right? It's, it's actually the idea is not just like one action step of go. Another way of translating this in the original language is as you're going. So as you're going to work, as you're going to church, as you're going at home, as you're moving and going, as you're journeying through life. I'm going to say that again. As you're journeying through life and going, right, we're, gonna, we're called to make disciples. That's your mission. In case you're wondering why you're on earth, I'm telling you right now, it's not my words. Jesus made this command to you. When Jesus was giving this great command, great commission, Jesus wasn't separating the pastors from the regular folks. This command came to everyone who are followers of Jesus. So this command comes to you sitting in the back, middle pews, front. By the way, I'm one of those guys who always sits in the back. Okay, but uh, no matter where you're sitting in this sanctuary, this command is for you. It's not just for the pastors up front. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 
11 to verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. It says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for, worship, for uh, works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Let me pause there for a second. Okay, so God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, right, and pastors to do what? To equip the people of God for works of service, okay? The works of service can also be translated as ministry. You're like, what? I thought we paid these guys to do the ministry, and we come to church and be blessed by their giftings, and then go about our way for a week, and then come back for a recharge by these ministers. No, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says these people are equippers. Equippers of who? Of you. To do what? Ministry, works of service. So you are actually, according to the word of God, ministers of the gospel. God has given you, each of you, a unique design, a unique experience that God has given you all of those things so that you would serve the community, you would serve the body of Christ, and serve the mission of God. They're supposed to equip you, train you for that. Why this is important, it continues in verse 13. It says this, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Huh. Okay, so I thought that we get the knowledge of the Son of God just by Pastor Aaron's awesome preaching. I go, look, I've heard him preach. He's an excellent communicator, excellent preacher. But you're not going to experience and learn the fullness of the knowledge of God without the community of the body of Christ serving one another. Okay? And let's go, it goes in. So you're going to get to the knowledge of God more and more as you're being equipped to serve in the ministry. Check this out. It goes on further. It says, not only the knowledge of the Son, and, but it says, and become mature. Okay, mature, right? So if you want to grow, it's not just about listening or, you know, listening to Francis Chan online and you guys listen to him? Okay, or like all these great preachers online, and then Pastor Aaron, and like Pastor Chris, look, I want to teach, teach, feed, feed me, feed me, feed me. If you want to grow, you have to come here, do. Okay, you can't just receive and, and learn and not do. Are you with me? So when you put into practice what God is teaching you and showing you, not only from the things that he's instructing you, but when you actually participate with your giftings, you get to grow. So you can't grow unless your giftings and how God has designed you is activated in the body of Christ, serving one another. As you're serving one another, you're going to begin to grow. Because when you serve one another, you're going to realize how people are crazy. Amen? So if you want to grow in patience, serve. Okay, are you with me? As iron sharpens irons, at, believe me, when you want to grow, you got to serve one another in your gifting. And check this out. It says here, not only do you become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
This is something we don't often talk about in, in Scripture, in churches, which is, yeah, you get to experience the presence and the fullness of God when you're communing with God alone or when you come and worship. But when you're serving one another, ministering to one another, do you know that the presence of God is experienced? So the fullness of God. I'm telling you, I have experienced the fullness of God, experienced Christ at the altar in different places. But I'm telling you, there's something unique and special about experiencing Christ while you're serving, while you're doing, while you're living on the mission. I'm telling you right now, there are the, the greatest moments when I experience the presence of Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. Yes, as good as the altar has been. It's been when the underserved and the needy, when I'm actually acting on behalf of God for the mission of God, I get to experience the fullness of God. Okay, so as I'm living on the mission, serving Christ, my life is not my own. As my life is being poured out as a love offering to God so that God would use me as his vessel, as I'm serving the Lord in the giftings that God has given me, I get to experience the fullness of God. Just in case you're not convinced that you have unique giftings, that God has created you for a purpose, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Bam! Wow. Did you see that? Did you just see that? Wow, you guys are good. Okay, you guys are good. Man, that was good. Okay, oh, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at that. I didn't say that. God actually created you and prepared you for his work. Do you see this? That Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So every single one of you, I told you, God has a plan, a plan of redemption, the mission of God. And God has created you for that purpose in advance. And God has uniquely created you for that work. And here's something that's really interesting about this text. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Okay, handiwork. Other translations translated as masterpiece, craftsmanship, workmanship. So there's every version or interpreters are trying to get to the heart of this word. They couldn't. So they're using multiple words. To describe what this means. The word in Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, by the way. You don't need Greek to know and understand the word of God. But it's interesting here that the word is, the, uh, the Greek word is poemos, which is where we get the word poetry from, poem. So I think the best way to describe this word, another way would be, um, you are the artistry of God. You're the artistry of God. You're God's handiwork, created to do good works in advance. Remember Psalm 139? It says, in your mother's womb, you were knitted together fearfully and wonderfully. And I know, some of you who have been married a long time, you're looking at your spouse and going, President Kim, do you know my spouse? Artistry? Okay, um, don't raise your hand. Okay, that's me. Okay, but the reality is sometimes uh, in churches, you know, there are that person that's just really annoying in the church. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? 
But you would never think that that person is you. Okay? But here's the thing. But even that annoying person is the artistry of God. Are you with me? They're created. They're the handiwork of God. You know, when you look at children, when you look at youth, when you look at these students graduating and going off to college and other places, they're the handiwork of God, prepared for his work to be his vessels. So every single person has a purpose on the mission of God. So we're supposed to use our lives for the mission of God. We're supposed to use our talents, even our experiences, even our thinking, even our stewardship of all that we are that God desires to use our lives. So just, can I just make a side remark here? I want you to know that doing great things for the Lord is not defined by the standards of the world. I'm going to say that again. Great, doing great things for the kingdom of God is not defined by the standards of this world. So some things that on earth you think are great may not be so great to God. You might think that these pastors who are leading mega churches are doing great things in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God. That's not how God sees it. Do you know that when you have divine moments at work and you're serving the Lord, you know that could be great in the eyes of God. That God is actually using your life for the mission of God. So it doesn't matter what your role is and what part you play. Every single person is invited to participate and use our giftings and our lives for the mission of God. I want to share with you why this is so important, okay? It's so important that we all participate. This is not a spectator sport, amen? Every single person is supposed to participate in the mission of God. And, that God, and, and only when you participate, we get to experience the fullness of God in this church, in the community, and in the world. So here's why this is so important. I wanted, um, how many of you would love to hear Jesus praying? Okay, like I would love to be a fly in the world in Jesus' prayer life. Okay, but uh, do you know that there are a few places in the Bible that you get to actually hear Jesus pray? And one of those places is John 17, verses 20 to verse 26. Uh, you don't have to put it up, but it's one of my favorite passages. You're not supposed to have favorite passages. The entirety of the scriptures are favorite. Amen? Okay, but if you were to, like, if you were to really ask me, I would say this is one of my favorite texts in all of scripture. John 17, verse 20 to verse 26. Why? Because Jesus is actually not only praying... Jesus is praying for you and praying for me. Why? He says, I'm now praying for those who will hear the message. That's what it says, through my disciples. Well, who are the recipients of the message through the disciples? It's you. It's me. Uh, we came to know the Lord through the message of the apostles. So Jesus here is praying for you. Okay? My God. And uh, just remember that this prayer, Jesus is praying on the way to the cross to die for us. Okay, Jesus is praying knowing that he's going to take on the wrath of God for us. Even when we're not deserving, Jesus is going to shed his blood for us that we may be redeemed, made right with God through his righteousness. So Jesus is on the way to the cross to die for us and he prays this prayer for you and for me.
the first thing that he says, he says, Father, as you and I are one, how many of you know the fellowship of the triune God, the Father and the Son? It's the perfect love, right? As you and I are one, may they be one with us. I'm like, what? You, a wretched person like me, you're inviting me into communion with you the way that Jesus the Son communes with the Father in that perfect union. Holy God, creator of the universe, is inviting me to fellowship through the cross. May as you and I are one, may they be one with us. I'm just like, what kind of God is this? What kind of God? And um, it doesn't stop there, the prayer. The prayer goes, Father, the glory that you've given me, I now give to them. The glory that you've given me, I now give to them. Do you know the glory of Jesus, the king of the universe, do you know that the scripture says that all of creation, all of the universe cries worship unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is king of the universe in all his glory and might. His perfect life, death on the cross, resurrection, ascension, sitting at the right hand of God. We're talking about the glory of Jesus. And it says, the glory you've given me, now I give to them. Oh, my God. This is what it means when we say we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are heirs with Jesus. Not because we're deserving, but because of his grace and mercy. He invites us to share in his glory. Share in his fellowship. Don't you think people who are lost need to hear this? Doesn't people in your neighborhood need to know what Jesus has done for them? Don't we need disciples that make disciples so that we would learn to follow Jesus, the one who's laid down his life for us? Jesus is inviting us on this master plan God's master plan of the mission of God. He's inviting you and he's created you for that purpose. That we get to participate. When you open the door for newcomers to come, that's not just opening a door on a Sunday. You're welcoming a person into the fellowship with Christ. We're, we're talking about us. Whatever you do in both church, in home, in work, in your community, we get to participate in the mission of God where you get to say, Oh, my God, you get to have fellowship with Christ. You get to receive the glory of God because of the cross of what Jesus has done. What a mighty God we serve. That not only did God save you, but God wants to use your life for the mission of God. I know when you're looking at your life, you're thinking, how could God use me? You don't know our God. Our God can use anyone. And I'm so tired of, just one more minute, I, 
I'm just so tired of churches lifting up leaders and putting them on a pedestal as if somehow our leadership ability or our skills or whatever it is that, that brings the fruit. Okay, you read it this morning. You can prepare. You can do all you want. But it's the Lord that brings the fruit. So when God takes a hold of your life, biblically, God always uses weak people who are dependent on him every day. Lord, I'm just going to walk with you every day. Just, I'm just going to be faithful. Just use my life for the mission of God. However, however you want to, I want to surrender my life to you. Because you surrendered your life on the cross for me. So whether it's the small things or the big things, I just offer it to you. Would you use it for your life, for your mission? Would you stand with me? I want you to bow your heads in a word of prayer in this moment. I have a saying to our students. Um, in, the, in our church, we're not Disney. We don't follow our hearts. We follow the call of God. We just stay close to Jesus, and we ask him to use our lives. So if this is you this afternoon, would you open your hands and surrender and say, Lord, I just want to journey with you. You surrendered my life. You surrendered your life for me. I want to surrender my life to you. If this is you, would you open your hands and begin to pray that prayer just to say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. That I believe today that you created me for your purposes. And I don't want to be on the sidelines anymore. I just want to be used by you. Small things, big things, it doesn't matter. Whatever you ask me to do, I want to do. If, you don't, if nobody recognizes what I do, that's okay because you're calling me. You invited me. If this is you, would you just surrender your life to God right now? Oh, Jesus. Let's make it an altar where we're standing right now. Jesus.